Well, hello. Good morning. Andre here. Welcome to another episode of The Daily. This episode finds you on the 25th of June, Friday, and we are at the end of a work week. I hope this week has been good for you, that it has been productive to some degree, that you got all that you needed to do done, that you're entering into this weekend without care or worry to some degree. But most of all, I pray that this week has been filled with just sweet moments with the Lord, the Spirit. As you lived through your day, as you went about your business, you felt God's tangible presence upon your heart, upon your hands, even as you performed certain tasks. And that's our heart's desire for you, you know, why we started this daily podcasting in the first place. It's so that we would learn as a people to cultivate this abiding relational connection to God, His presence, and His Spirit's leading. And I hope that that has been the case for your life. And if not, I sincerely pray for you this day that your spiritual senses will be awakened to God and His Spirit who is all around you, even in this moment. He is omnipresent. He is all around us. And so all we need to do is simply pause, stop, and lean into Him. He is there with us. He is here with us. So with all that being said, let us begin today's podcast. Well, folks, I have been back at the gym. You know, the gym brings out uh, different uh, sides of me. Sometimes I go to the gym and I'm just downright lazy. You know, I'm super unmotivated. I don't push myself hard. But there are days where I push myself hard and it's not a good look. I tend to go to gyms that I know many of you don't go to. And so, you know, I am in my own little quiet uh, bubble uh, doing my thing because I just know that I don't have a pretty lifting face. I just look intense and angry all the time. That is my gym face. Well, one of the things that, uh, you know, I tend to get sucked into every time I go to the gym is this kind of competitive edge that I never knew existed. You know, there's one uh, particular gym that I go to. Um, they would have the weightlifting platforms uh, facing each other. And so chances are when you're lifting your weight, there is someone directly opposite of you who's looking at you, who's essentially doing the same thing. And so, you know, you get competitive. You look at a person, you're like, oh, yeah, we're roughly about the same size. And whatever weight the person puts on, you tend to stack on the same, if not more. Well, there was once I started stacking on weights because I saw this person, he was stacking on weights and I was like, I need to outlift him or at least not lose face. And I got to a point where I was lifting far beyond what I would normally lift. I was going at crazy weight. And, you know, I started lifting and we were pacing each other and suddenly I felt my back seize up. I had you know, completely exhausted myself, I had stretched myself way too far, and then I injured myself, and then I was out for two weeks because I got super competitive. Now I'm all about competition and what it brings out people. Sometimes it's bad and nasty, like what I experienced, but sometimes it's good, you know, sometimes competition brings out a kind of edge, you know, it pushes us to uh, new heights because of, uh, you know, just you know, all that we experience uh, as we're caught up in that moment. Competition isn't inherently bad. 
But you know, in life, we tend to get competitive over many things. We get competitive over where we're at in life, how much money we're making, how our kids are faring. A more accurate word to describe that phenomenon when we're always looking to a right and left and measuring ourselves based on other people and what they have and what we do not have is the word comparison. Comparison is something that we admittedly struggle with, especially living in a first world city like Singapore with all of its upward mobility and with the rise of social media, being able to see uh, you know, picture-perfect lies on display almost 24-7. Comparison, uh, Theodore Roosevelt once said, is the thief of joy, and I couldn't agree more. Nothing has sucked joy out of my life like comparison. You know, I have never realized I had so much comparison uh, in my life, or so prone to comparison, until, once again, I'm talking about parenting, until I had a child. You know, we were celebrating uh, her milestones and how she was developing quickly. And then when I got to on- got online and started reading forums, I realized that, hey, she was a little bit behind some other kids who were more advanced and who were already doing stuff that she couldn't do at her age. And what was meant to be a moment of joy of celebrating her hitting her milestones, it turned into worry anxiousness and feeling like a failure because my kid wasn't as advanced as other children and i don't know what area of life uh, this speaks into for you perhaps it's with your career you're thinking at this age i should be making this amount of money or at this age i should be driving this car or at this age you know i should be you know having you know i should be you know married i should be dating or looking i should have this amount of kids i should be way further along in life because so and so is this far along in life and i need to catch up comparison is the thief of joy and i don't know whether you realize this but the insidious nature behind that which is comparison is that whoever you are comparing yourself to today if at some point in life you beat this person, there will be another person that's further uh, into the distance that you will then begin to chase. Comparison, in some sense, is never ending, it's inexhaustible. You would always try to find another person further along to compare, to compete against. It is insatiable. It can never be satisfied. And that's why many people we know, probably on a very personal level, it might be even ourselves, live with such fragile and fragmented souls because it has been torn to shreds by, you know, this thief called comparison. I think of the biblical story of Jesus restoring Peter Uh, in John 21. And this story was post Jesus' resurrection. Jesus had raised from the dead and he appeared to his disciples. We know that, uh, you know, during uh, the time of the crucifixion, the apostle Peter denied Christ three times and he had no doubt failed Christ and, you know, was feeling all sorts of guilt and shame surrounding his actions. And then Jesus, in this tender moment, is restoring Peter to his calling, to his place in his kingdom. 
And so he restores Peter by taking him through this beautiful restorative process. Just as Peter denied Christ three times, Jesus would then question Peter three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And he restores him step by step by step. Peter is led back into his calling. Well, this is such a beautiful restorative moment, but there's something curious about this chapter that I'd like to point your attention to. In verse 20, it says this in John 21, Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper, and said, Lord, is the one who betrays you? Is he the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? Verse 22, Jesus then said this to Peter, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And so I'd just like to point this simple kind of observation from what we just read. It's a really curious text in the middle of this beautiful restorative moment between Jesus and Peter. Peter, almost for just a moment, lost sight of the beauty, the sanctity, the sacredness of the moment. And he looked at who we know to be John, and he said, what about this guy? What about this guy? What about this man? You know, in the middle of this restorative moment, probably the high point of Peter's life, Jesus restoring him, Peter was comparing. He had comparison in his heart whilst being in this beautiful, sacred moment. Even in what should be the best moments of our lives, comparison seems to lurk in the shadows always seeking to exert itself and secure our worth at the expense of others. Comparison really is the root of most of the misery we feel in life. Comparison makes it impossible to view ourselves from any sort of godly perspective. It is an absolute snare for the soul. And the difference between competition and comparison is this. Competition, you know, it drives you, it pushes you. Comparison will make you question your sense of self-worth, your identity, and if left unchecked, will cause you to wish harm, will delight in in harm befalling others. When others seem to take a couple steps back in this game called life, you take joy in their suffering because you are further along. That is how poisonous and insidious comparison is. And as followers of Jesus, we are called to live lives of sacrificial, agape kind of love. And it's impossible to give our hearts and lives away with that measure of love when we you know, are riddled with comparison. Comparison really is the enemy of love and true compassion. And that's why we read this in James chapter 3. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. What strong and intense words from James. And so with all that we just heard, How do we even begin to grow? How do we even begin to free ourselves from the snare that is comparison? Well, one initial way to start 
is to fast from comparison and feast on biblical identity. To feast on the verses in the Bible that tell you who you are in God, who you were created and made to be, how God sees you, how you fit in His plan, your worth, your value that is not predicated on mere grades or you know, financial status, but it is based on Christ price. He who bore the cross, he who paid the price, that is his life for your sake. Today you are not worth based on your worth is not determined based on the money you have in the bank or how much you've done and accomplished. Your worth is dictated and determined by what Christ has accomplished for you. And when we begin to realize that and really internalize that and lift that up, comparison will be a distant memory because we have our identity secured, not in what we do or how we measure up to others, but by what God has done for us. I think of a few verses in the Bible. John 1, 12, I am God's child. Romans 5, 1, I have been justified. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, I am a member of Christ's body. Ephesians 1, 5, I've been chosen by God and adopted as his child. Colossians 2, 9 to 10, I am complete in Christ. These are concepts, truths that we gather and we read in scripture but we so often just let it pass or read it as a kind of inspirational text. But what if we really, really, really capture these words, not just as fancy sayings, but reality itself? This is how God sees me. and This is who I am in Him. I am valued, accepted, loved, and belong to God. And so this morning, as we close off the last podcast for the week, let's spend a few moments sitting in God's presence and contemplating on all that He has said about us. Perhaps in your own life, you have given a lot of your mind space and your ear toward what other people's opinions are about you whether you measure up whether you are enough it's not to say that the words of others don't matter but God's word God's words over you takes priority it takes precedence over everything it is preeminent God's words hold weight and authority unlike any other and so this day in spite of all that we've heard throughout our lives Maybe you have grown up being told that you're not enough, that you need to do more, be more, in order to be worthy and loved. But God's word says otherwise. He says that you are loved, and you are worth His Son's sacrifice on the cross. You are enough. Because you are enough, you don't need to compare. You don't need to find your sense of self-worth by defeating others. Christ has defeated death, hell, and the grave for you. And that is the better word. And so let's spend a few moments this morning just sitting in God's presence, 
and contemplating, reflecting on all that we've just heard. I invite you, wherever you are, to get into a quiet posture, to eliminate all kinds of distraction around you where possible. And for just a few moments, let us just sit in the quiet before God and allowing for His Spirit to minister to us. Let us open up ourselves, our hearts, for God to come in and minister to us, to bring healing for where there are wounds, and to bring security where there are areas in life that have been shaken by the callous word of others. Let God's word be a healing balm to your soul this morning. So let's spend a few moments pausing before God and allow Him to minister to us. Let's spend a few moments doing so. Amazing. I hope that was special and restorative for you. Let me pray for you even as you begin your day. Jesus, I ask for your words to be heard by your people today. Your words of love, kindness, and affirmation that causes us to lift our eyes away from people, from stuff that we don't have, and causes our eyes to fix on you and our ears to lean on you and what you say. Lord, we ask that our lives will be tethered not to, you know, the, the opinions of others, but it will be tethered to your words that you speak over us. You are saying, give us grace this day. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Daily. I'll catch you again next week. Have a good day ahead. Grace and peace. Hey, Pastor Andre here. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Daily. If you like what you're hearing and you want to check us out, you can look us up on Facebook or Instagram or check out our website www.thecity.sg for more information. Have a great day ahead. Grace and peace.